Hello, and welcome to Center Stage, a podcast for those interested in how the mind of an artist works. We sit down with actors, directors, writers, and artists of all kind to figure out just what gets their creative juices flowing. I'm your host and producer, Sergio Terespriella. On today's episode, we're joined by writer Tyler K. Williams. Tyler and I met at the University of Florida and have been best friends for years. Without further ado, let's get into the interview. can very comfortably say my best friend in the entire world Aww. a man by the name of tyler k williams tyler how are you today you know i'm i'm pretty good i'm much better after you say such kind words such such beautiful it's I mean, funny we talk almost every day and i we say that to each other oh, you to yeah. me or me to you but but you know words of affirmation and all that like words of affirmation. It, it's still it's still nice to hear you know well, I'm glad and to know what your the, your love the, language the, the is. sentiment is very much returned oh, uh, but yeah way, great great way to get uh, my uh, my day going so yes yes it is a little um, bit of positive energy Tyler this is a podcast about artists it's a podcast about the process it's a podcast about conversations that your typical consumer of art does not really get to here. And I want to kind of go behind the scenes of all those things. I've told you about this before, but just to reiterate to you, I want to start off with a question, Tyler. I ask this to everyone that comes on. What does being an artist mean to you? Oh, that's that's a pretty, that's a big question. It's a loaded question. Yes, um, it is. Yeah, so, I mean, being an artist to me is... I'm I'm a writer by trade, so I'm trying to figure out a way to to pump this out poetically and like in in tag in a taggable line that you could repeat as piece of dialogue, and that's just immediately where my mind went. But you mean um, a writer is searching for words to answer? Oh, you know, you know me, I do word good. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think being an artist is, I think the most thing the the most I would put it the way it means to me is to not only interpret but to create meaning in uh, our lives in everyday, in our everyday lives um, in the sense that to create objects, structures, you know, works that instill meaning in others and not just a matter of like um, anyone can look at the natural world and interpret. Uh, and that's one of the beauty of, uh, humanity, in my opinion, is that our ability to create and interpret meaning out of almost anything. Um, but to be able to create your own, you know, meaning and get past that on to others. I don't know if that makes sense, but um, that's kind of how I see art in a lot of ways. Like, Yeah, I, I think it makes sense to an extent, obviously. Um, you mentioned it, I was going to say right after that you are a writer by trade. Mm -hmm. Um you at school, we, we both met full disclosure at the University of Florida. Um, we actually met through the student theater organization at the University of Florida, ironically. And you wrote quite a few plays at the University of Florida. Um, yes. Specifically, you wrote a play called Castle Questers, which I kind of want to use as a way to get into your creative process. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about what Castle Questers is for, mo for those who do not know and why that play was so important to you because i know it's very important to you it is very important to me uh castle questers is a show that it's um the best way that some people i know would like to describe it is that it's uh i mean florida jumanji without all of the uh um animals uh <laughs> now i'm gonna i'm gonna break that down a little bit more to make it make more sense but Castle Questers is a story about a uh, group of four college friends that are not uh, near the end of their time at college who are all reined in in the same house. And they're not, they're not really quite the friends that they used to be. And while they're reined in at this house during a hurricane, um, they very, have to... Very Floridian of you. To say yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I can do a snowstorm, but I'm not basic. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm a Florida man. Like... Uh, while they're there, they, they come across this old board game that they played a lot when they were freshmen and sophomores uh, together. And, you know, they 
you know, as you do back in college, and you, you know, with a bunch of drinks and you just play board games, assigning random drinking games to, to a board game. Mm-hmm. And they find it and they decide to play it. And throughout the night, the board game itself, the car- the pieces that they always play with, because they always play with the same color pieces, come to life and start to talk to them and figure out where they are at this point in their life. Because it's it hits right around that point of your, it was supposed to hit like right around that point of your college experience where college is ending and um you're having to move on and that's kind of what it's kind of all about um but it's mostly a comedy i that seems a little like heavy <laughs> yeah. uh, it's mostly a comedy <laughs> i was gonna say i i, I got those themes because I, I did see it. you are you're younger than i am and so you wrote it your junior year yes and my senior year and so i was when when i went to go see it because you know it's my friend's play i went to go see it it's great it was awesome but as you said, it, it did hit home. It had that kind of emotional attachment to it. Did you feel like you were pulling from stuff in your personal life as a way to inspire you? And is that an approach that you typically take or don't take when you sit down to write something brand new? Uh, very much so. A lot of things in my personal life are a factor into it. Um, and that's kind of a general rule. I, I kind of have a rule in – I don't ever try to – put uh when i when i write i never try to put myself necessarily into things but i take my experience because at the end of the day my experience is all that i really have like um it is my truth what i've lived and the things that i can bring to it so a lot of it has to do elements of things i know other people had to deal with because i'm friends with them things that have affected my life the emotions that i feel at its core however for me i think I always try to, when I write, it's a big deal for me that um, characters can be like real people, but they are not real people in, for me in the sense that like, I'm not writing my be- uh, friend at the time named this, who is exactly like this. So I'm thinking, oh, this is what they would do. No, I am. they can inspire elements and things like that. But these characters are supposed to live in this world. They're their own people. They don't act like a real person would. Um, so as much as I take things from my life very much, um, it is an element of only to further, you know, whatever the characters are wanting, whatever the story is asking. Because, it, I mean, my process mostly kind of starts with asking questions. Mm-hmm. And, and what, what questions would those be? Because I want to get into your entire process. So since you went there, let, let's start with your process and how you get from an idea all the way to a finished, finalized script that you could either put on a stage or in front of a camera. So you start with ideas, right? Yeah. And the idea, honestly, a lot of times comes from a question. It's just like, what if this dead happened there? Like, if, if you don't mind, can we use Castle Questers as kind of like a caveat? Yeah. As a way to, to go. So when you were yeah, starting yeah. with Castle Questers, what was the idea? What was the mentality there? Um, it's been a while. So I, I, I'm not like in tune with the exact day to day. But a lot of it was a matter of... It's asking, I wanted to, I wanted to tell a story asking the question of, um, what is it like to move on? And what is it like when everyone that you know is moving on differently? Like, what is it like to, you know, deal with the past? And then that, yeah, it's kind of, that's kind of the main question of that story is what is like that I wanted to tackle is like, what do you have to, what, what is moving on, you know, and how do you deal with it? And then one of the things that I, I tried, I asked myself a question, I'm like, what's a way to like, what are, what are characters that would feel that most in that moment, that burning question, it's just like people about to leave college. It's something I related to. It's something that everyone we were working with related to, but it's something I knew where it's just like, you're, you're about to leave a part in your life where for the first time for a lot of people, you no longer have the idea of the year of school system to keep you going. Like, and also everybody's going off in different directions. You're going, it's one of the points in your life where things all change. Okay. Four characters. They all, you know, they're all about to graduate college. Perfect. They're all going to be dealing with that question. Settle for me. All right. Well, what's a thing that would, you know, combine them? What's, what's an element of, What's something they could share, but then they could, could reach out to them? Because I, I, in my writing also, I like to do with a little bit of the modern fantasy in, in regards to the fact that, or like uh, fantasy elements within things. I don't right. like 
like I like to I love to world build and I love to do high fantasy stuff, you know, in my head and w- with other people and in my writing. But a lot one of my favorite things to do is take the world as we know it and then just change like one thing, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, what is the thing? And I, I this is part of something that I pulled from my experience is that there is a board game that me and my friends really played a lot when we were all in our freshman, sophomore year of college. And then those friends, we hang out less and less as time went on. We're still friends, but. I played that board game less. So I was just like, okay, board game. All right. That's something that they could all be combined over. But then, you know, you just, you start to ask yourself, like, how are they going to sit in this apartment or this house and deal with this? And it was just like, have their board game. I this is a part where I'm just like, the idea just kind of comes to me. It's like, have the board game pieces, you know, talk to them. Like, <laughs> it's like, it'd be funny. Uh, you could play a lot with the like different colors. And the other part of it is that I wanted like, the board game pieces to be kind of representations, not necessarily full people. And then they, they talk differently to each one of them. And it's this whole thing where they don't, they're all having the same experience, but they're not talking to each other about it. Like, right. so, um, I don't know. It's a lot of just, just that's the, the easiest way it is, is like, what kind of, ask yourself a question. What kind of story do you want to tell? What's the question you want to pose to the audience? Then at every step of the way, ask yourself, what is the character that would most, be dealing with that. All right. What is a way that they can most all share the same thing or most all go through it together? And then a lot of times he's just like filling out little details. Like uh, there's a character um, in Castle Questers who is a journalist who works at the student news newsroom. I was a journalism and communications. Uh, I was, I was uh, had a degree in journalism and communication school. That's pulled from a lot of people in my life that I knew they're going in one direction. And then there's another character that doesn't want to, um, that doesn't want to move on. That's and that actually touches on. Sorry, I'm just all over the place here, but like that that touches a little bit on another way to approach the question is that one of the best things to do, in my opinion, is to have that question, that main question that you wanna you wanna ask your audience, you know, because. I'm not so much of the idea, especially with theater that you have to answer the question for your audience um because in in my opinion like writing it can be different for different mediums I, for things like uh t- for things like film uh write, writing often is me- meant to make a statement uh you want to make a statement with the story um but in theater i think a lot of it helps with asking a question in my personal favorite kind of works is that I don't think you necessarily need to answer it for your audience. So what you do then is you you take the main question you want to ask and you also say, what are the people that would be dealing with this most? Okay, how would they all deal with it differently? Right. Because all four characters essentially deal with the idea of moving on very differently. So one doesn't accept it and is trying as hard to fight it. One doesn't like it, but has accepted it a long time ago. One had has moved on is not even aware that this is a thing that other people are dealing with. And the other one has been raring for the day have been, has been like, like trying to move on every single day of their life and is failing, you know? And then you, you take those people that, you know, want different things out of the same question and that creates conflict. Right. And I'm saying all this and it really just depends on the story, but like that, that's ultimately um, the process that I kind of use is that like ask a question, get people who feel differently about it and put them in a room together. So if writing for the stage, right? If theater writing is asking questions and leaving it up to the audience to answer that question and screenwriting is more having a finite answer to, I guess, those questions, what are the other differences between writing something for the stage versus writing something for the screen. And when you come up with an idea, you know, how do you decide this is good for the theater or this is good for maybe a short, sh- uh, a short film or more, feature, more film feature length. Right. How do you yeah, decide? Uh, and this, this, this sounds terrible because it's not the artsy answer, but it is the real answer is that practicality is a humongous part of it. Um, yeah, no, but, but that's, that's a big deal in, in art, period. Practicality and, and is a I think big aspect. More than anything, more than effects, more than, um, you know, the fantasy element, expe- you know, extension of reality, things like that. Like, I love sci-fi and fantasy, so I could tell a sprawling quest and everything like that or something like that. More than anything, I think the thing that mostly separates it is locations. 
Uh, in film there's like a rule it's unspoken and it's not always followed but a rule when writing screenplay that i've heard that i try to follow is that try to never be in the same place once but more than once you know don't have four scenes going back to the same guy's bedroom okay you know you you have that once Mm -hmm. maybe then do it in the kitchen the second time like um if you're having to talk like and you know obviously not, not as broad as like school or house but i'm talking about like different rooms you want to try and mix it up and a lot of things in a lot of films just watch most films and just you know take a notebook and count how many different like locations just like rooms that they go into right and it's just crazy so if you want places that take over if you want stories that take over you know different locations time is also a factor of this um the story moves more quickly it's more action oriented that's more meant for film where you can cut out passages of time. You can elude things better. Editing is an absolutely golden thing that um, I bring up because in screenwriting, you have to think about how the film's getting made as well. Like you can't, but in theater, it's more of like, theater's locking the characters in a room. Yeah. And this, in, in the metaphor, I'm doing air quotes here, room that doesn't have to be a room, but is like the space, you know? Like in Cast Questions, they're all locked in a house. Like, and they're not all in the same room. There are location changes and, you know, there are set changes. But, you know, a lot of scenes go back to the same place. And in theater, it's more, you're more trying to figure out what the characters are. And it's all about the characters to me. Right. And in screenplays, the character, you can't ever forget character. Character is a huge aspect of it. But there is an element of, there's more of the story beyond that. It's about moving things like, I mean, road trip stories are hard to do on the stage, yeah. in my opinion. They're very hard to do. Love them. Would love to write one. We'll probably try to do so at one time, <laughs> at one point in time. You know, people will tell me not to, and I would tell me not to, but I'm probably still going to do it. Uh, but, I mean, a road trip, road trip is just hard. It's yeah. so much easier to do that. Well, easier. It's so much like more practical to do that for screenplay. So I, the reality is that that factors in, but it is also about the type of story that you want to tell. A story with movement uh with really any sort of movement should kind of be looked at towards being a screenplay mm-hmm. or more built for film um i'm not going to say stories that take place over a long period of time have to be different because like stage does those well too but it is a matter of you know figuring out if you want this to be about as much about your characters as, as you want if you want to really dig deep and um explore your characters by what they think you know about it's about it's about backing up (laughs) try to say this in more of a concise way but like theater you want you want to figure out what your character you want to find out what your characters are like you want to find out the truth of the characters through what they think through what they say you know but in film it's a lot more of you want to find out the truth of the characters and what they do Film is a lot more action oriented. It's a lot more like you want to say as little as possible if you can. And in theater, you know, leading the actors do a lot is is um, great, but it's also a matter of theater is the text in a lot of ways that I was taught. And the dialogue and the text is the most sacred thing. And like, that's what you have. So a lot of it is, you know, a screenwriter, a screenwriter will look at a play and be like, this is way too expositional. <laughs> like, um, and then a, a playwright would look at a screenplay and be like, um, are you going to let the actors do any work? Or like, <laughs> so that's, that's the give and take. Like, so in theater school, cause I, I studied acting and theater. theater. Um, one of the things that we're taught is as actors is do not ever capital bold italics underlined 50 point font. Do not ever change what the playwright writes because that is scripture. That is it. How do you feel about actors going in and maybe changing up a bit of something that you have written? How comfortable are you with that? And is that something that when you're creating a show, I know I know for a fact you have experience with plays. I'm not entirely sure how many films you've made, but I a know- I, I just know, a couple I, short ones, a couple just, short ones. Right, but I know for a fact in something, and I keep going back to Castle Questers because I was in that room with you sometimes. Oh, yeah. Um, in Castle Questers, there were times where you would change the script up a little bit because it was a developing piece of work. And how, how comfortable are you with having an actor come up to you and give you maybe 
hey, I think my character would say X, mm -hmm. Y, and Z. You know, how do you respond to that? I am, I would like to, it is my personal belief, I'd like to say this about myself, that I'm very good with that because like, I love collaboration. That is my favorite thing about art in a lot of ways. And art can be a very singular thing. Writing can be a very singular thing. But at the end of the day, you, you're supposed to share it with somebody. Like it's supposed to be seen by other people. And so I love working with other people. Um, and in regards to film, that's a whole other, like, um, there you have, to, if you're not open to collaboration in film, you better just look for a different job um, <laughs> because they will change your thing. Uh, but as far as playwriting goes, I was pretty, I like to be really open to the cast because my philosophy is that, like I said, kind of said earlier, I am always going to be able to bring my experience and my viewpoint because that's all I have. Mm -hmm. But I'm not everyone. I'm, 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 I need to bring other people's viewpoints into this. And again, this script is my baby. I look at a lot of like, I'm the parent of this child. And, you know, as much as people could tell me and I can intellectually know all the problems that my child might have, they're still my kids. So I might not always be able to give them the tough love that they need, you know? And I'm always going to look at them as like, yeah, but I was with you since day one. I came up with you at 2 a.m. on a Thursday night. Like, um, but, you know, and it's a balance because, you know, you'll have actors come in and be like, so you wrote the character this way, but I've been playing around and I've been, you know, going off with actor B and, you know, I think that we should try it from this angle. And you're like, try it. Because my my favorite thing about theater in general is rehearsal. Right. I love going to rehearsals because I love workshopping it. I love figuring it out, especially when you write it, because I always have an idea of what I want. Like if I could just pop it out of my head, I have an idea of what the show would be. But there's always something I didn't think of that another actor brings. And and of course, you have, there's the flip side of, you know, if an actor comes to me and says, like, you said, uh, like, I shouldn't hear like the line is I shouldn't do this. And I think I should, I'm having, can I just say I should not? And I'll be like, can you just, can you just say the line? <laughs> um, like, there's an L when it comes to like grammar and sentence structure, I'm a little like, um, I'm a little like, ah, and I, I've acted as well and I'm very respectful, but a little bit of me is just like, you're an actor. Can you just, can you pretend to say it? Like, yeah, uh, this, this is your job. Just say this the is kind of your job. Um, <laughs> no, but, I mean, my, my general rule is that like, I, I welcome collaboration. I love it. And I also a matter of like, I'm always checking if you want, if you change something and it will change the story, mm -hmm. that's a no. Got it. But if you want to change the interpretation, a a hundred percent all the day, all the day long. When, when you say, when you say interpretation, do you mean how the actor is interpreting it? Or do you mean how the audience is going to interpret it because isn't that an argument for changing the story if the audience is going to interpret something different than what you intended yes and yes and no uh it's a lot of it has to do with the actor uh changing it but like we're gonna i'll, I'll shift over to a uh i have a great example of this in the other show that i wrote while i was at uf who wants to love forever where i uh that hit me in the heart man you stabbed me in the heart with that show <laughs> oh boy <laughs> You stabbed me in the heart. I, I was, yeah, I was, uh, said, I was, I was, I was in some feels for that show. Well, like, that was your senior year. You sent yeah. it to me when I was living in Charleston, and I was like, "Wow, I have so many questions about my life." <laughs> yeah. Again, the show literally has a question mark in the title, so like, I, I'm not really here for definitive endings. So, like, and it's who wants to love forever? Yeah, who wants to love for forever? Yeah. Um, and in that show, the I wrote the show. And the characters of Cupid and the Reaper are meant to have in my mind a kind of like their friend, you know, they're kind of acquaintance friends. Like they are supposed to have like a will they won't they kind of throughout the whole thing. And the question of love that's extrapolated onto the mortals in the show, which are kind of the main part of the show, is supposed to be kind of broadly in the same romantic sense, like generally echoed in between the reaper and cupid is kind of like a they're learning from them similar situation but in the room after who we cast um that dynamic wasn't working uh and it because of the way that uh wonderful actor who i miss very dearly because i haven't seen him in a while uh sterling stanley played cupid all the praise for sterling stanley oh he's so praise. good um he 
he played it very differently. I had, you know, Cupid being much more of a like Jake Peralta from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, like uh, cool, 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 cool. And he played him a lot more open and broadly and more uh, flamboyantly. And I loved it. It was perfect. But it was like that relationship, that dynamic, the romantic angle, just it wasn't working. So we changed it. I didn't, we didn't change any lines, but it was just the way that they were said. Um, and it's a matter of like, when I say change the story, it's like so and so saying I'll, I wouldn't be in this scene. That's not going to work for me. Like you, you have to like the th- it's 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 about stories more about the actions. Like like you do this. Like you can't like it's not a matter of how you know so and so is going to steal this board game dice. Like they're, they're going to do it like that's, but it's a matter every line that you say leading up to and after that, the way you say that line is completely open for interpretation mm-hmm. and, you know, and to an element, there is things like changing the story that I, I agree with kind of what you said, that changing the interpretation is also kind of changing the story, but like, it is a matter of, you know, it's just being, being free for also for what works because I have to be, especially when, when you playwright it and it's going up for the first time. This is, you know, this is the the original show. <laughs> like, <laughs> you don't have to pay reverence to anything that came before because right. we're making it up. Like, yeah. But there is an element of I will never live with myself if it's the show's not as good as it could be on the stage because I couldn't change something in the script. If an actor told me I want I want to play it this way, and I said no because I didn't think I I didn't think of it like that when I wrote it. And it's the clearly worst choice. Yeah, I guess that that stays true to what I wrote. But I mean, the show's not better. And and in reality, it's a matter of like, the art, the real art to me, and it is what we put up on that stage, you know? Right. Yeah. And, and just, I mean, the text is a huge part of that. And, you know, you're never gonna hear me argue that. But right. like, um the importance is that us gelling on that stage so if we have to switch things up so be it yeah so be it i'm not i mean like this is the same thing though that we're just like i am we're talking about shows that i write and i'm in the room for the first time we're making them right so right. it's way more open to change and i'm and again like i said before i can only bring what i know and what i feel about this story but I'm not the only one who's ever going to see it. So it's important to let the actors take a little bit of ownership of the show and change it while it's the first time. Now, and you know, in 40 years, if somebody performs cast sequesters, tough luck. That's the way it is. Um, but like <laughs> you can, you can change the way you say things all the time, but you know, she's still walking out that door at the end. <laughs> spoiler. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, spoiler. Spoiler. Uh, <laughs> I want to talk about your relationship with directors mm-hmm. because I had Zach on, Zach Gowdy. I had Zach on in the first episode. Isn't he great? Don't we love him? him. I had Zach on earlier, and I want to bring on a mutual friend of ours as a director whom I will not say yet because I want to make sure I can secure him. Um, But directing is a certain art form in itself. And when you're creating something from scratch, you the playwright, this is an idea that you come up with on your own, 2 a.m. on a Thursday night, and then you end up developing, fleshing it out, and then you have to bring on a director that you then put in charge of this piece of art that you've created. And it is up to them to see your piece of art go from the paper onto whether it be the stage or the screen. What's your relationship with a director like? How involved are you in things like casting and things like the visuals of the show? Or are you very much a hands-off? I know that that's each playwright is different in that sense because some people are intense, some people are laid back. But you personally, Tyler K. Williams, how are you working with a director when you're putting up one of your brand new pieces of work? Uh, for me, I am both both in and out. Like I'm very involved in casting. I'm very I'm at almost every single rehearsal. Um, I don't I'm not talking a lot necessarily. Like I'm not giving them direction that much, other than when I see hey, I want to give you this idea because this is the way I wrote it. You haven't been doing it this way. Let's just see how it is. But um, I've been very fortunate to have really good working relationships with both of the directors that I've had in the latest shows that I've had. Um, 
But the big thing is that I, I defer final say of what goes on stage is the directors. Like that's my rule. Like they are, they may not, they, maybe they don't see it that way, but the way I see it is that when we're sitting there discussing, when me, Zach Gowdy and Josh Anders are sitting there discussing what's supposed to like, what interpretation they want on stage. To me, what Josh thinks is the right thing is going to go on stage because it's not necessarily a matter of, because I've also been lucky that the directors that I had had not had, they've really not given me much notes on the actual words in the script as much uh, as the actors do. The actors often are the ones who, who give me more like, does this make sense? Can I change the way this is said? Um, like, I don't think my character would say that. That comes more from the actors. The direct For me, often the directors have not given me a lot of notes about the script. It's more about the interpretations on the stage. And for that, like I said, I... I'm very involved, super involved in casting because I love casting. <laughs> um, it's very fun. And well, let me let me ask you a casting question then. Yeah. When when you get a curveball like you said before in Who Wants to Love Forever, when Sterling comes in and you have an idea of Cupid the character to be uh, character A, but Sterling comes in and does it character G, and you are like, that's actually wow! I can't, I have to do go with character G mm-hmm. with his interpretation. How much do you go back and say, all right, I got to change a bunch of things because I I would rather have this actor play this character, what even though it's completely different than what I anticipated it. How do you approach that? How do you how do you wrestle with that yourself? Because I could imagine, you know, you spend so much time working on a piece that you have an idea of what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you wrestle with that idea if someone comes in and just throws a curveball at you? It's tough. It's tough because it's it's a matter of because curveballs only really happen when someone comes in and dazzles you in a way that you just weren't expecting or some you make a connection in your head and you're like why did i not think of that before that's not an angle that we haven't think before so it every time that i've done it you're wrestling with the fact that you're giving up something you're having to do work and change things that you like but in order to do it it's to get something good you know, mm-hmm. it's if you think holistically, casting Sterling will make the show better, then, you know, it's it's worth it to go reevaluate some of the way that some of the lines are said. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that happens in rehearsal for me, because like I have actually because I've had curveballs in both of um, the shows that I've cast and cast questions in who wants to love forever. We've had to have curveballs um, only not only because of the way people audition, but also because of the way the casting worked uh, with that particular show. Right. Um, we don't have time to go into with the, the, with the festival. No, no, it's just, the, yeah. Yeah, we don't have time to go into uh, that. <laughs> but just, ladies and gentlemen, just know that it's very complicated it tough. to <laughs> secure people to be in your show when you are the student-run organization in the middle of musicals, plays that the university has "quote unquote" dibs on actors on. So, yeah, anyway, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, it's it's a matter of at the time I didn't necessarily think you had to change that much, but it was a matter of you have to be open to it, you know. It's it's like I don't think that the, what you need to do in those situations is immediately just be like, "All right, now I got to pour through this thing and change everything." Because if the reality is if you're casting someone and you have to immediately just by casting them know you have to go and change things, I don't think you're really casting the right person. But it's a matter of did they do it in a way that you didn't see? And now are you going to have to reevaluate that in rehearsal when they do it differently, when you give them the script? Um, maybe, I don't know. Maybe that's the way it has been for me because like in, for Castle Questers, uh, Cordy Mims, who played Yellow, the board game piece, was not originally even considered for that role. But um, because of some fest, some like uh, scheduling and things like that, she became available. And in the, in the casting meeting, Zach, Josh, and I are sitting there and Josh just p- takes a notebook, scribbles down the name Courtney Mims, circles it, and points us to it. And we both just like, can we take five? And we discussed it, and we all really loved it. It just clicked in our brains. She had an excellent interpretation of the character, but a lot of that comes from letting the actors work. And I mean, I don't know. It, it's exciting. It's it's tough because you have to, you know, change things because when you write. How do I say this? <laughs> um, when you when, like, it's a constant thing when you write that when you finish the draft, you you just you just feel inside you that this is the this is the best it's going to be because in your moment right then you fixed all the problems that you know of. Like 
you, you, there's nothing left for you to do. Like first draft, that's why it's always weird because like your first draft, you know in your head that like, you know, there's definitely issues here. There's probably several typos. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm going to have to go fix those later. But you feel in that moment when you finish it, like, this is perfect. Because yeah. you have not been made aware of any of the problems you have. And so it's always tough to change things. How many but, drafts do you typically do? Uh, it, it really, it depends on the project. Um, drafts by the time that we are uh, up on stage probably close to four mm-hmm. um it, it depends a lot because a lot of that is working um i have like a finished like second third draft when we are sh- when we are casting you know mm-hmm. and then you change things by your by the time that you're in rehearsal to me like right you, i mean and part of that also is like me coming from a little bit of also a film area where like collaboration is a necessity like you're gonna have to change things like you just gotta like and so while that's not necessarily preached as a necessity in theater, I like to view it as a necessity that like things are going to happen. You're going to have to change things. And you know what? That's okay. Because that's where the best stuff comes from. All of the, all of the best stuff in both cast questions and who wants to love love forever, all of it, almost all of it came from things that I didn't see coming, Mm -hmm. you know, your ability to adapt. Yeah. And because when you let yourself, when you stop thinking about it as trying to get your baby up on the stage and you just think about it as, let me just go, let's make some cool stuff with some cool people and let's move some people. Let's move the audience. Mm-hmm. What I what I, what I care is like, did the audience like it? Like, not who cares if I liked it? Um, like, did the audience like it? Because the validation of, of sitting in the audience and hearing those oohs, those ahs, the, the tears, the laughs... That'll make every second of deleting a line that you really wanted or deleting an arc that you really wanted or adding something you weren't sure was the right fit, make that all go away. Um, and again, I, I sit here and I've read bo- both of these two shows since and been like, oh gosh, I could have fixed some things. <laughs> <laughs> but Well, now that, you, now that you look back on stuff like that, what's the toughest part about writing? What's the most difficult part of it is i mean is it is it the the fact that your piece can change on a whim is it the fact that you you know maybe do four five six seven drafts depending on the piece is it working with other people is it entrusting it with other people what's the hardest part what is it um the hardest part is the hardest part and excuse this phrase it's i'm not the one who coined it um but uh and just be be where it's I've been told that writing the most important thing in writing that you have to do is you have to be willing to kill your babies. Like, and you know, and a lot of it I see is that a matter of like for every good, for every like cool thing you're going to put in or cool idea you have, you're getting rid of something else. Like every, for every like great joke right here, you're like, can't use, you know, okay. Can't use this anywhere else. Can't use a joke like this with this character again. Or if you're just like, oh, I'm going to have them, I'm going to have them be a hurricane and they can't leave. And you're just like, all right, well, that I wanted them to go to the, the ballpark at the end of the story. But I guess they can't do that because I want them to stay here. And like a lot of it, a lot of it is logic, to be honest with you. A lot of it is you're, you're trying to create the logic of the story. And you're, you keep, and part of this comes from asking questions, like tying all the way back around from what we talked about earlier. Is it like, you know, why if these people hate each other why would they be here (laughs) like like what's the reason for this story to happen it's like okay they have to stay here i'm like well that means that they probably can't go to all these locations you want them to go it's like but will it be worth it to you know have those moments have the more core emotional truth if you get rid of those other cool other cool moments and you're just like yeah, but it's still even when you know it's the right decision, which is not often when you know that oh this is better, um, you're still getting rid of something else that you like. And a lot of times, a lot of times you write, and this is the hardest thing, is that for you're, you're sitting here and you're like, there's a problem with this section, and you're like, I could try it this other way, different scene, different interpretation, different characters in this room, different location, all that, but you don't actually know if that's going to be better. Like you're, you're, you're swinging, you're swinging in the dark and you know, no one bats a thousand and no one doesn't get a hit. Um, so you have to be willing, like, it's not going to be perfect. 
And a lot of times, anybody who acts, don't listen to the next 30 seconds of what I'm about to say, all right? Should I, Be- should I take my headphones off? Uh, no, no, you can say, but uh, you can stay. But I just, I only say is, don't let your actors know this because their egos will get too big, but they're probably part one of the most important parts. Like, I mean, they obviously are one of the most important parts, but like, <laughs> don't, hey, actors, don't listen, okay? Wait, I don't t- want your t- egos t- getting too I, I missed out on the past 20 seconds. Did I miss anything? No, no, you're good. Nothing? You're good. You're good. Oh, okay. you're good. All right, my bad. Uh, no, it's not important. <laughs> um, yeah, but you need to, you know, it's one of the, and again, like you said, trusting other people is, I've been, I have to be honest, I've been privileged, lucky, blessed, all those, all the words and all the th- things of the source you can get up to go with them, the synonyms, like that the people I've worked with for most of the things that I've done have been great to work with, super collaborative, care about the art itself, like care about the piece just as much as they care about what's going up on stage. And I've been very lucky to have that, but I love entrusting it to other people. Uh and a part of that also, though, is that I have been there for a lot of it. You know, it's hard to give up your piece. And it's something I've said to many people, like, like, I don't know if I could ever, you know, sign, give, give a company a play and be like, I right, peace. I'll see you opening night. <laughs> I, I don't I physically could not do that because I like being rehearsal. I like working with people and the working with people, the showing them is the, like the best part to me is the the table read and the you know getting it up on its feet going through the whole process figuring things out showing it to other people you know in spurts as we prepare for opening night like those are i know i'm just like gushing at this point so i don't want this to be like but it but it makes sense it's it's a it's an insight to your thought process and how much and there's a you know there's a you you want to make stuff that other people want to work on exactly that's that that's the goal honestly it's it's as much as you know it could be you know, pouring yourself out into something and everything you write is an reflection of yourself. I, like I said before, don't like to put like a me person in the story. Like I, I try to stay away from that. And I try to not put real people in the story as much as I would try to like pull elements from my life. But you want to make stuff that people want to work on because that's the best part. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Uh, so if you had to pick one, writing for the stage, or writing for the screen, what would you do? Oh gosh, that's tough because I know. like <laughs> I know it's tough. <laughs> I know we just I know I just waxed for forty minutes about the beauty of playwriting. I probably would pick writing for the screen just because like I love I love you know moving the story along, going to different set pieces, the the different things that you can have. I love the immersion more than anything. Also, I think it's that I love the collaboration, which is just like. Clap in in filmmaking it's exacerbated because like there's um, so many people that work on well film. And, and the thing that you give up with that is that theater is a is a playwright's medium uh and where the writer is the revered uh, the writer the the text is revered the text is not changed um you know obviously there's that like you cut out things here and there for time like i wasn't performing the full romeo and juliet <laughs> back in high school i'll tell you that right. um but you're not ever changing things in film. It's a director's medium. So you get, you're giving it over to the director. And if they say, yeah, we're going to change everything that's going to happen. That, that is an element of, that is an element of film that scares me because, but again, I'm also the type of person that I, I just, I'm not the type of person who can, I think this probably best describes me as creative as an artist, and as a, a writer is that I'm not the type of person who can ever write something and just give it to other people and not, be involved in the sense that I I want to, I want to help. I want to work on it. Like, and if I'm going to be like that, I have to be willing to change things because no one wants a somebody around who definitely always wants to be there and wants to work with you, but won't let you do anything. That's, that's the worst situation. Like, and I don't want to be like that. Um, so yeah. And I, there's a certain elements of, theater that I, 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 that can't be replicated in regards to the amount of time you spent working on it, just the same stuff every day. And like, I mean, frankly, slight brag, 
I felt for both Castle Questers and One Who Wants to Love Forever that we were ready like a week before we had to go on stage. Like, <laughs> and, and that is a that is a rarity in the theater. <laughs> yeah, and we didn't we did not have a lot of time to rehearse those things, but no. like especially if Who Wants to Love Forever, like which had le- a smaller cast and I think less moving pieces is probably part of it. Um, we were rehearsing that thing just oh we'll just run through it once or twice again today and see if we find anything new. But we were kind of running that thing into the ground in rehearsal, like we were ready to get up on stage. Cast questions was very similar. Like we, you know, everybody knew their lines up. Uh, I had no worry about that. Um, that, I mean, that is a thing I, I get, I get terrified as a writer for people forgetting their lines more than Chate wanting to change them. Well, well like, given the fact that you, the writer know every word in the show, I know it's like, you it's know, tough. If an actor forgets something, you're in your head like, no, it's the wrong word. You should say. I, I honestly, there's a, the only two things. Like, like a lot of times, it's like, okay, whatever. But like, because because like seventy five percent of your dialogue can get changed, and it really doesn't matter. Like, right. does it really matter if they Again, say these two? Li- don't tell the actors. Okay, don't tell the, the actors, actors that. <laughs> I'm, tell, I'm telling playwright. I'm telling playwrights and directors this. Like, <laughs> like, like actors, do what you're told. Like. <laughs> like no, but like players and directors, like, you know, it, it is a lot of it. And I learned this when I was in a, I, I went to school at University of Florida, also for journalism and communications. I learned this in the newscast. It's just like, as much as you want to get things perfect, the most important part when you're doing a live news broadcast is, did the audience know that, did the people watching at home know we screwed up? Because if we mix a story around, but they're none the wiser, it doesn't matter. Like it matters in house because you know how good the show could have been. And a lot of times I'm like, they missed that joke that I really loved. <laughs> and I look around, I'm like, but it was it wasn't stilted. They just mm-hmm. they just skipped a couple lines. And you know what? None of it was story relevant. And uh well, none of it was story necessarily like imperative. None of it was like, important to move the there, story. It wasn't one of those like 15 core lines you write in a script that like the actor has to say this or else the rest of the show doesn't make sense, you know? Right. right. Those little those little joints are the things that can't get changed to me. And th- luckily I beat that into my cast like okay, like these like the lines that are important to the movement of the story, they can't change. But like yeah, it sucks, you know, they didn't get the joke that I wanted across or they kind of missed a beat here or there. But, you know, if the audience, the audience doesn't have a script. Like, um, if the audience, you know, is having a ball, they can't, they don't notice it. it doesn't look stilted, then that's good. And in reality, like my number one rule when I write and well, not even when I write, but when I work on something is... I, <laughs> I say number one rule, like I like I have this on a wall somewhere. <laughs> but like one of the most important thing, things to me when I write and when I work on something is, like I said before, do people want to work on this? Are people having fun working on this? And it there's a certain element anyone who's watched theater that they, they might be able to pick up on is that you can tell when a cast is having fun. Absolutely, you can. T- it is absolutely imperative, and it as an audience member, it makes your experience more fun. Yeah, and that is my biggest point of pride, more than anything I've written, is that in the shows that I've had, I very, I am very uh, certain that my cast was having fun on stage, and that made the audience have fun, and that made everyone have a good time, and you know. And fun doesn't have to necessarily be like, oh, it's all got to be bubbly. But like, is the cast enjoying doing this? Even the emotional scenes, like, because if they're in it, if they're into it, the audience is into it, you know? And I take I take more pride out of making people cry in the theater than I do making them laugh because, you know, it's harder. But like... <laughs> um, Selfishly, it's harder. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. Laughs are great. Laughs are amazing. But like, if you get them to cry, like... There's there's certain moments in both shows where like things happen and they're supposed to be like a big like sad moment. No spoilers, but um, and you know every, you, you're sitting in the audience and ev- like uh, everybody's having like a very upset reaction, and then me and the a director and assistant director are kind of like fist bumping so in our in, seats. In like, Castle Questers, you sat in the top and I sat in the row right in front of you. I remember when I saw it. Something happened towards the end, and I literally looked over my shoulder and I mouthed the words "I hate you," because yep. I was like, "Wow, you yep. got me! Like you got me good." And you just had the biggest. Everyone in that room is like sad, and 
a little bit emotional and you are just smiling ear to ear. And that's something that I, and that's something that I think a lot of playwrights can, can find in common because you want your pieces to touch the audience. You know, you you want people to, to feel that, to understand that, you know? And that's, that's, that's an element of theater that I think we'll always have or film. I'm like, yes, we can go Oh, not now because pandemic, but like soon, Tyler, um, soon, 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 soon. Um, but like, you know, you can go to movie theater. Great. But like, they're in it in the theater it's it's right there and you could feel you could just feel the emotional interaction in the space between the audience and the cast and cast members between everything so there's that it's that moment of just bliss when you did it you you achieved like what you wanted and i just remembered this another thing to remind people of you know that i Every good person, every every person who's working on something knows this to an extent, but I like preach it in, in, when I'm writing and, and like helps me when I'm writing. It doesn't matter how many times we run it. The audience will find something funny in the script that we did not think was funny. <laughs> and they will find a joke that we thought was going to kill and it'll just not work. You know, like in Cast Questers, there's a joke with a whole body double that we rehearsed. We were like, it's going to be funny because no one's going to expect it. And it didn't do anything. And then somebody threw glitter and that just killed everyone. <laughs> like this is all you're not the audience. You people that listen to this podcast probably not going to understand this, but, but you know, well, that, that's why they those, say it's those little things. The last character in a show is the audience is the, the audience. last piece of the puzzle. It's the last aspect of it. Um, Tyler, last question. What is the most impactful piece of art that you have ever consumed that I've consumed? Oh boy. Oh, that's tough. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what Zach's answer was. Okay. Zach's answer was when he saw uh, the Scottish play in England by an all black cast. That's that's awesome. And he was like, "Oh my gosh, that's incredible!" Um, and so it had big. It had a big impact on him. So, oh. so what's the most impactful piece of art that you've ever consumed? Art could does not have to be a play, a movie, yeah, or art. Would, but would a. Mm, mm. You put me on the spot because I, I like a lot of things. Like this is a problem. This is a problem that I have, and Sergio knows this, but other people, this is like I'm one of those people that like I will just when I consume something like any piece of you know media or art or literature, like I I start off baseline liking it, and like you have to make me not like it. You're like, you're very easy to please in that sense. Yeah, but but you are difficult to fully impress though. Oh yeah yeah, you are. So something that's really impactful. <sighs> Okay, I think this is a weird one, but if it's, I don't know if you classify this as art. It is a book. Book count. That's art. Book is art. It's not fiction, but it is. It is a book. It's a book called. This is more like life inspirational, but I use it in my art a lot. Um, is it is a book called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Um, it is a book. It is a. He is a psychologist. Um, who was uh in prison during the Holocaust. And the journal was written, this book, it's very, it's a very short book, uh, was written while he was there and coming out. And more so than anything with that, there's a line in there specifically, a um, couple lines, it's a very quotable book, but a line in there specifically that has always stuck out to me and has changed the way that I do things in art. It is that um, they could take away, and I'm paraphrasing here, it's like they could, they, the Nazis, could take away everything but one thing the last of the human freedoms uh one's ability to choose his own attitude the ability to choose one's way what that means is that you can literally strip everything from a person except for the way that they they view things except for their viewpoint their opinion their motivation their like the way they think you can't change that that is the one thing that a person can always take with them and i try to incorporate that a lot into my writing because it's like in the sense of you always just have what you have and it's changed the way I look on life and it's changed the way I do a lot of things and what I'm writing. Cause you're, it, it's reminded me of, you know, the essence of you can take everything from a character or give everything to a character. But at the end of the day, the, the thing that they truly have that is the most theirs is their opinion, is their viewpoint, is their attitude. And I incorporate that a lot into my writing and it's cha- I read, I read that book in high school, so it's changed a lot of the things. I think it helped make me a writer in a lot of ways because I'd always liked to write. But that was the key to me that helped me with character, you know? And that's 
one of the things I try to, I like to pride myself on in my writing is a sense of character is that the story is not necessarily about what happens. It is about who it happens to. Um, and that kind of, I don't know if that's a good answer, but. Um, oh, it's a great answer. I mean, I think, I think that piece of art has definitely impacted you. I really do. I think so. That actually makes more sense. You know, that's the first time I've heard you tell that. And I, you know, friends yeah. for how many years, five, six, whatever. Yeah, like it's six years. Yeah, it's been a while. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And well, it's I read it so long ago that it's. I mean, you should have known me in high school. I would have been like appreciated up your up your ear. Like, uh, <laughs> but it's like it's just permeated me as a person now. Yeah. Uh. So. And clearly, clearly, it's a, it's reflected in your writing. Yeah, I, I'd like to think and like to be able to. The one thing I want, uh, more than anything, is to you know. I don't like in my shows to leave audiences with definitive answers necessarily in the sense that like, I, I like to ask a question, but I don't want to tell you what the answer to that question is. I want to give you options. I want you to see what happens to other people that are in this situation with this question. And then I want you to decide what you think about that. And because, and there are things that this is good for, but like for the things that I choose to write about and that I am in a position to write about, um, I don't really want to make a statement necessarily because I want you to, I want you, it's better if kind of always believed in the whole, like, and this goes into what I just talked about in the book, um, is that the best way to make somebody think something is to make them think that they arrived at that conclusion themselves. Absolutely. <laughs> Don't tell them to be a better person. Ask them why they're not a better person and then make them answer that themselves. Like I believe uh, I believe our parents would call that parenting. Oh boy. This is the time that it these are the times that it helps that I have a sister who's 13 years younger than me that I have to like have helped semi parent a child. Absolutely. Like, our sisters are the same age. I know exactly what you're talking about. These these 10-year-olds they're not like the 10-year-olds we were. <laughs> Uh, Tyler K. Williams, thank you so very much, my friend, for coming on the pod and giving your insight into playwriting, screenwriting, your creative process, all of that stuff. Um, where can the people find you? Uh, they can find me on the twitters.com at T underscore K underscore Williams. You can also find me as the, uh, co-host of Sideline Judgment. A, of, of what now? Uh, Sideline Judgment, it is a weekly uh, sports co podcast that um, where just two idiots talk about uh, college football and also the intersection of that with the rest of the world. Uh, I don't one of them. One of them's me. I don't know who the other guy is. I heard that other guy's horrendous. Yeah, he's terrible. He's it's, terrible. He just, he's always, all he does you know, is talk about the Gators and the Dolphins, and it's really annoying. And his stupid Miami Heat. And yeah, his, yeah. Like, I, I believe they refer to them as the Miami Humidity. My, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. I don't. I haven't kept up on the show's lore a lot. No, of course not. Um, of course not. No. But yeah, that's where you can find me. Uh, I'd love to just say say hi to anyone. Drop a follow. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I follow Tyler. <laughs> Tyler on Twitter. Tyler and full disclosure, myself. We have a college football podcast. Yes, we do. That uh, was, that was judgment. Great. That's at sj underscore podcast. Uh, thank you so very much, Tyler. And uh, I will talk to you later, my friend. Love you. Uh, yeah, I, real quick, real oh, quick. Yes, go ahead. Um, I do want to, you know, I want to have a last thing to say. Of course. A bit of advice. I didn't know if you were going to pitch me one last question, so I wanted to have something. And now I want to <laughs> say it because I'm thinking about it. <laughs> um, but um, one, another quote from the, and I want to tell this to anyone who wants to write. Um, is another quote from the book, Man's Search for Meeting. It is a quote by Victor uh, Frankl. It is that what is to give light must endure burning. Um, and I want you to take that. It's what I try to remind myself that like in order to shed light on things, in order to get to to create light in the sense that we, light is often associated with art and I do associate a lot with art. Light can be illumination of knowledge, illumination of emotion, illumination of feeling. In order to do that, you have to endure burning. You have to give some of yourself. And that can be hard. Uh, but I want you to know that that it's awesome at the end of the day when you get to deal with other people and you get to see that uh, what you give of yourself uh, burns brighter than it does inside of you. Well said.
Well said, my friend. Well, I'd give that. Now, the more important part, go put a pen on a piece of paper. Like, um, <laughs> or finger on a keyboard. <laughs> honestly, like that, just do it. That's the most important part. I'm a vomit draft guy. Like I just write and then go back and fix it later. Like, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Uh, wise words from Tyler K. Williams. Thank you, my friend. I'll talk to you in a bit. All right, bud. Thank you. Special thanks to Tyler for coming on and talking about his experience as a writer. To hear more from Tyler, make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Sideline Judgment, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. That's going to do it for this episode of Center Stage. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And keep an eye out for future episodes for more conversations with artists about their craft, what art means to them, and just what makes them tick. I'll leave you with the words of William Shakespeare. Know thyself to thine own self be true. We'll see you next time.